Warning, the podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode number three in the In Reverence series. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Now In Reverence is a subset of shows that we do here on the podcast Under the Stairs. There has been two previous episodes. One looking at David Lynch's Blue Velvet. The second Tom Holland's Fright Night. And welcome to our third instalment. Now In Reverence is essentially a subset of shows where I look at the movies that shaped my love of horror cinema and we've already covered two movies from the 1980s and I promised at the end of episode number two that when In Reverence returned I'd be looking at something essentially more modern, something that came after 2000 uh, and something that I think is a movie that some people I think overlook Uh, Some haven't actually seen it, but for the most part, I think it's a movie that is incredible in tone, shows you very little, if anything at all. It's shot mostly during the daylight, and I still think holds up as a movie that is very unsettling, and the first time I watched it, creeped me the fuck out. That's right, we're going to be discussing a little movie called Session 9. Now we're going to be doing that after our first break, but there's a couple of things that I want to say at the start of the show. Now those out there that follow me on Facebook will know that I uh, took a short holiday or vacation as the Americans like to call it. And I say the Americans like to call it that because I was over in the USA. I was over in New York for about six days, five nights, uh, taking in the sights and sounds of the Big Apple with my family. And it was a fantastic time. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, hit up a couple of Blu-ray establishments, come back with uh, with um, the new Criterion release of Firewalk With Me, which is a potential future in reverence. Uh, we'll, we'll keep that one in the back burner because I genuinely think it's one of the most underappreciated horror movies of the 1990s. I think it's fucking incredible. Um, uh, you probably already heard me gush over it if you listen to Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaksies. But I um, also picked up the Omen box set for like $9, which is about £6.50, maybe £6 over here, uh, for all four movies on Blu-ray, which is fucking nuts. Um, the Scream Factory Collector's Edition of Jeepers Creepers, which is a movie I really like. I, I don't like the second movie, and I've heard horrible things about the third one that I don't know if I'll check it out this year or if I'll really wait until I'm stuck with something to watch next year and, and then check it out then. But I got that movie as well. So yeah, it was, it was a good run that way. Picked up some um, Apple Pods from the Apple store over there because you can buy Apple products a bit cheaper in the States than you can in the UK and just generally took in the sights and sounds. It was a a fantastic time away. But 
What made it a little bit extra special is that I managed to catch up with some people um, on the on the America side over on the East Coast. Um, people that I have been meaning to meet for for quite a while. So on the on the podcast side of things, I got to meet the fantastic Vanessa McHenry. She has a podcast called the VD Clinic. Uh, you should check it out. It's on Legion Podcast. But Vanessa has been a long time contributor to podcasts under the stairs. Um, I think pretty much day one, she came over from uh, Devour the Podcast as a listener there to check out the stuff we were doing and has been a, a firm uh, follower since. Always interacts, always always great to chat to Vanessa. But I got to finally meet her and the fantastic Patrick. Oh, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Uh, Patrick does uh, the, the Scream Queens podcast um, and... That's a show that I've been listening to for for quite some time. You will know him as uh, Patrick Walsh on the Facebook page. He uh, always posts his uh, shows directly there. Um, the man is a machine because he's a full-time working actor as well as a podcaster. So where he has the time to do all the stuff he does is beyond me. But um, I got to meet them for dinner. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Me and Vanessa got to hang out a bit before that. That was really cool. But I also got to hang out for drinks with um, a listener who has interacted with me kind of very very little actually on Facebook but from from what I gather has been listening to this show for for a long time let's put it that way and that's um, a good buddy Art uh, Art Ryson I think is how you pronounce that surname I might be wrong about that but um, Art dropped me a message saying that he was going to be in town as well and didn't want to hook up. Uh, and we went to a pub called The Stag's Head and uh, sampled some of their fine IPAs before retiring to what I vaguely remember being an Irish pub for uh, a little uh, bourbon, a little straight bourbon and a bit of chat. It was great meeting Art. He was a, a, a thoroughly fucking nice bloke. And um, yeah, we, we chatted all things podcast gossip. Uh, he listens to a lot of the same shows that I do, interacts with a lot of the same people that I do as well. So it was great chatting to him and both groups of people made my visit to uh, the Big Apple just that little bit more special. So yeah, thank you very much to Vanessa and Patrick for showing me a good time, taking me out uh, for something to eat and uh, thanks to Art for, for buying me a pint, although I don't think it's a pint, but we'll say it was a pint, it's a pint, um, over in the, the US of A. It was great meeting you all, and I look forward to hopefully meeting you all again sometime in the future. So, yeah, In Reverence episodes are not that long. It's one movie review, and it focuses a bit on the movie, the people behind the movie, but m- most importantly, what I make of the movie. What, why is it important, and why did it shape my love of horror? And we'll get into that, and so much more, uh, after this first break. So you're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear a bit of tunage, uh, and then you're going to hear the trailer for Session 9. Go be right back to review that movie right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! 
as needed and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. This is a distress call from across time and space. I am Babs the automated biological support system for the humanoid known as the Witch. Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock is the weekly chronicle of his fight for survival and entertainment on the junk heap of the future. Episodes are transmitted in 15-minute pulses across the dimensional divide weekly for your listening pleasure. As you will learn, the future is not set in stone, and a flux capacitor is a girl's best friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Come join the rest of the Meat Popsicles in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash witch vs the doomsday clock. The replicant known as witch can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr and Instagram by searching for T-H-E-W-Y-C-H. The Witch vs the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Now in the words of Lord Humongous. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror.
and I got to get construction crews in here by Columbus Day, so you got to guess for a minute how long? I've got four really good guys. One week, we're gone. That's fast. I need the job. So the loonies are outside in the real world, and here we are with the keys to the loony bin, boys. <laughs> Might actually want to be grateful when you're about to make some decent money. What's the catch? Patricia Willard scandal, 1984. I want you to try to remember what happened 24 years ago. Use your imagination. The shrinks figured that with these new techniques they designed, they could release hidden memories. You can hear me. You okay? I want to go home. I wouldn't tell anybody about this. If they find out about Hank, they're going to find out about the others. Could have the others. <laughs> I want to come home. I am so sorry. And welcome back. So, yeah, 2001. And a little movie called Session 9. It was directed by Brad Anderson, um, who also wrote the movie, co-wrote it with uh, Stephen Gavidan. The movie stars uh, David Caruso, um, Stephen Gavidan, Paul Gilfoy, uh, Josh Lucas... Peter Mullen, the great Scottish actor Peter Mullen, Brendan Sexton III, Charlie Broderick, Lonnie Farmer, Larry Fezzedin, uh, Duran Hughes, uh, other folks are in this movie. Actually, not many folk are in this movie at all, limited cast. Um, the movie's synopsis is, tensions rise within an asbestos cleaning crew as they work in an abandoned mental hospital with a horrific past that seems to be coming back. So, uh, I think the first thing to note here is Brad Anderson as a director. I can't remember which listener it was. It might have been Myron, actually. I think it might have been Myron Schmidt. About a year ago, uh, had been had been powering through uh, the back catalogue of, of Brad Anderson uh, and talking about just how much of a, a great director he thinks he is and I, I kind of agree with him the guy's off doing a lot of different stuff now to, to be fair I think a lot of it's in the TV world but he had a, a great run of kind of bizarre um, horror movies which I think kind of skirted the kind of psychological terror as well as just being flat out horror and Session 9 certainly was was a kick off of that uh, from 2001 um, he followed up in, I want to say it was 2005, but it may have been 2004, with The Machinist, which uh, got an infamous reputation because of Christian Bale's dramatic weight loss, uh, playing a, a character whose guilt had essentially eaten him alive to the point that he had chronic insomnia, and the movie falls out with the explanation of what this guilt is surrounding. Um, as someone who suffers pretty bad insomnia, uh, Bale is on point with so many things. I wish I was that skinny, but I'm not. Uh, that's the one thing. Uh, insomniacs don't really lose weight that much, I think. I want to say it's because you eat at weird times, and so your body kind of, I don't know. Don't know what I'm talking about, but it's, it's a great movie. 
he did a little movie called Trans Siberian, which came out a couple of years later. It's a similar sort of idea in, in the realms of kind of mystery. This guy likes to do kind of darker, twisted mysteries. It's certainly not a horror movie, but I had a pretty good cast with Harrelson, Ben Kingsley, Kate Mara. Uh, I think Emily Mortimer might have been in that one. I might be wrong about that. Um, the Vanishing on 7th Street, which I didn't think was a great movie. Uh, but once again, it's kind of thriller, mystery, kind of elements of horror in there. And has since moved on to do a lot of kind of TV stuff he's worked on. Uh, shows like The Killing, which I fucking love. Um Stonehurst Asylum, which I think might have been made for TV, uh, and a ton of other stuff. So yeah, a great director. Uh, I would like to see first was the the power of the direction in Session Nine was what made me so surprised later on to find that it was really one of his early movies. He hadn't really done much up to that point, but it is so weirdly. It has an indie aesthetic, but it also has like a studio aesthetic. I know that kind of sounds like um, it's kind of oxymoronic comparing those two together, but it does feel like it has the essence of an indie horror movie. I don't think it had a particularly large budget, uh, according to IMDb. It was about one and a half million. Um, I don't know if I think it was a limited release, so I don't know if it made its money back, but it's certainly one of those movies that I remember being released at the, the video store that I used to work in back in the day. We got like two copies, um, and it was put out under one of those labels that exists within the large um, studios to kind of churn out, you know, more artistic or, you know, le lesser fanfare material, and Session 9 was certainly... It was in that category. Um, I'll expand a bit on the, the synopsis. And what I would say is that I'm going to spoil this movie. Um, it is 16 years old, almost 17 years old. So if you've never seen Session 9 before, please go and check it out. If you're in the USA, Screen Factor put a, a pretty fantastic Blu-ray of it. Um, I've seen it, quality's great. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely a way to check that out and hopefully some of that money makes its way to Brad Anderson and we see him do some more horror movies again and move away back from, from the television where he's killing it to be fair but I would like to see him come back anyway but that's, that's a great uh, Blu-ray release of it in the UK I think it might be on some of the streaming channels so you, you'll probably find it somewhere there but check out Session 9 anyway because like I say I'm going to spoil it so uh, the, the movie itself um, kind of centres on this guy Phil who's played by David Caruso and his uh, very good friend Gordon Fleming uh, played by Peter Mullen known as Gordo um, and these two guys work um, in an asbestos removal company which has kind of fallen on hard times uh, Gordon's wife recently had a young child he's not getting much sleep it's leading to fights at home uh, I get the feeling that the company could fold any minute and as a result they make a very ambitious uh, proposition to the owner of this essentially mental health um, abandoned hospital that they will be able to go in and in the space of a couple of days remove all the asbestos cleanly and safely which seems like un unattainable to, to the owner 
but they write into the clause that you know they'll do it, uh, and if they don't, then you know they can be forfeited, not paid, etc. And it's accepted, so it's all hands on deck from that point onwards. The rest of his team is made up by uh, Brandon Sexton, the third who plays his uh, nephew Jeff, who is an annoying little shit. Uh, Josh Lucas, in a, a kind of earlier role here, plays Hank, who has like the handlebar moustache, he's a bit more of the renegade kind of party guy. Uh, and Stephen Gevedon, who is one of the co-writers here, plays a character called Mike, who has a kind of Tony Robbins-esque kind of 90s vibe going on about him. He's a bit more intelligent, a bit more astute. Uh, one of these kind of safety first sort of guys. Um, and there's a bit of ill will amongst uh, Hank and Stephen as relates to a girlfriend in the past that Hank may have slept with. So essentially they start working in this abandoned uh, mental health institute, we we'll call it Institute Hospital, and um, there's a creepy vibe kind of kicking off straight away. They all end up at each other's throats. Um, Mike does a bit of exploring and comes across all these different tapes um, from from sessions recorded between psychiatrists or psychologists. Uh, and there's one person in particular who's trying to uncover what we will later find out uh, was a violent act of murder which was perpetrated uh, as a kid against his parents. So think Halloween. That's how I like to think about this movie. And this is where I think like Rob Zombie, this is how you should have done Halloween, buddy. If you're going to give us a backstory, don't give us a backstory with a little kid walking about the place doing all this shit with his redneck mother and his fucking abusive stepfather and all the rest. Give us, like, Loomis playing through some of the, the psychiatrist tapes. And I know Michael Myers didn't really talk, but you could have some interactions there before Michael Myers goes silent. Or I don't know. Give us something like that. I would have been a bit more hooked and invested hearing as opposed to seeing because these tapes are creepy as fuck. And what is evident here is that we have different voices being uh, portrayed by our killer who has multiple personality disorder. Uh, through the shock has created all these different people. And they keep referring to, there's, I think there's Billy and there's Wendy um, and we, we specifically get this mention constantly of this this Simon. Uh, Simon is the one that did the bad things. And I think those work really well because there's something about the audio quality of the tapes and particularly the different voices that are quite jarring to hear them come from, you know, what you imagine being like, a, like, like an adult who all of a sudden kind of sounds like a small child, sounds like a woman. Um, I also think there's a, a coolness about this story unfolding as you're listening to it. So, um, you know, like uh, you get the, the princess is a character um, and we find out that, you know, the princess lives in the tongue because she's always talking. Billy mentions this. Uh, as you're listening to it. So all these different aspects of this character's psychology, which is being dissected, why all this weird shit happens in the asylum. Now, while they're there, characters start to, you know, <laughs> uh, how to put this, uh, start to see things that aren't real, 
um, you know, visions of people that might be in the insane asylum with them. And there is a, if you watch the special features, there was a whole subplot about someone who actually lived, a homeless person who lived on the grounds. Um, think Cropsey, the documentary, and you're in that ballpark. But they cut it out, but they left certain aspects of the character's reactions to them, which I think works really well in the movie. I've seen the deleted scenes. I don't think they necessarily add much to, to the overall movie. But the, the characters all slowly start to die off one at a time and we are wondering who it is that could uh, who who's behind this is this supernatural uh, is it in the real world and tensions keep escalating and the, the the teams slowly start to disappear one at a time meanwhile in between all the the tapes that we're hearing of the psychologist um kind of mentally dissecting the the patient we are getting the fact that Gordon's home life is not great. We hear snippets of an argument that he might have had with his wife, his kid crying. Um, we also get, you know, him phoning home uh, to his wife, a kind of broken man, and it gets it gets quite interesting because. The story changes as we go along. There's a great interaction between um, Gordon and Phil, where Gordon essentially says, "You know, you know, I hit Wendy's wife. Uh, I hit her. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, we're celebrating getting the job. Uh, I bought her flowers and I bought her, you know, alcohol and went to speak to her. And she was cooking, I think it's pasta, and I went to kiss her." And she turned around, but, you know, when she was turned around, she knocked a pot of boiling water over his leg. Uh, and he says he doesn't know what it was that caused it. Was it maybe the kid crying? Was it the dog barking? But he slapped her. Um, and, oh, Peter Mullen is so good in this movie. And he's like, you know, I hit my wife. I love my wife. It was an accident. But I slapped her for it. And you're like, oh, yes. It just, he plays pain so well in this movie and confusion as well as the movie trundles along we find out at the end that he didn't just slap his wife he actually killed his wife uh, and killed his infant and kills his entire crew as well and is left as this kind of dishevelled man and we find out through the tapes that are playing from the tape uh, dubbed session 9 that Simon is almost the part of the the brain or the body that is taken over in times of trauma. Um, he says, I live in the weak and the wounded, uh, and, you know, and, and hits out very much like this, this murderer who's in the insane asylum some decades before uh, Gordon's path has followed something very similar. Um, why do I love this movie? Why is this movie an irreverence? Why is it so important? I think, one, you have to look at the time. 2001 is the kind of tail end of the kind of new wave of the slasher boom. We're, we're kind of checking out about 2001. We've, we've had a fair few titles come out that have all been very, very, very similar. We're already into, I think about this point, the third Scream movie is about now, or if it's not now, it's a couple of years after. Um, and we've already started the J-Horror remake 
kind of boom craze, the J-horror thing start to take off, so we're going down that road as well. We've got the remake boom as well kicking off. We've already had things like uh, House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts. We're building up to, within like a couple of years of this movie coming out, we're going to have a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which reshapes the landscape for horror remakes moving forward. Um, and whilst people are all concentrating on that, Session 9 is a very sobering, very dark, twisted little horror thriller. I think it works really well because it has some incredible performances. Yes, there is a bit of a cheese moment, one or two, and we will talk about the fuck you moment in this movie, which is kind of amazing, and I think it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened. But the, the irony is not lost to me that it is a bit CSI Miami, um, even the way the camera's shot, and I like to think that David Caruso saw that and then decided that that's what his CSI Miami character was going to be like, you know, moving forward. There's no guarantees that's the case, but it does have a bit of a feel about that. But what I think is incredible at this movie is the majority of it's shot during the day. Now, making things scary at night is not horrendously difficult. You can play with shadows, you can play with light noises in particular, um, and an audience's mind, its brain will fill in what is happening on the screen. It's you know easy to do that. To shoot something essentially during the day uh, and be, for the most part, not terrifying, terrifying is a strong word, but genuinely creepy, I think is, is incredibly difficult and I think what you get with Brad Anderson is this boldness to do that. I remember last year when I talked to uh, Ben Cressman, director of Sunchoke, that I thought one of the more interesting aspects about that movie was that the choice to shoot most of it uh, in daylight is something that you don't see a lot of horror directors doing. I, I mean, it's just not something that's done and in session nine, it's it's I would say it's easily seventy five percent shot at daytime, because the crew are working during the day. Yes, some of the creepier moments, the reveal of what happens to Hank, uh, happen at nighttime. And and they're very well done. There's a, a scene with Jeff running through a corridor of lights as they go out, and I am not claustrophobic and I'm not scared of the dark, but every time I watch that scene, I feel my breath, kind of getting a bit more shorter and raspy. Um, and genuinely start to get creeped out by the fact that this kid's going to be trapped in a dark and a tunnel that he is petrified of. And the the performance by the actor that plays um, Jeff is incredible, absolutely incredible. He sells it 100%. But to tell a story which kind of straddles the line of psych kind of psychology, psychological thriller, murder mystery potential supernatural and you know and hold all these to court but do them in a very well constructed and at no time unbelievable fashion I think is worth applauding I think sometimes people overlook the fact that session nine without any fanfare and without any gimmicks really delivers a captivating horror movie that every time I've watched it, I am 100% invested from the moment it starts to the moment it finishes. I don't think that's easy to do. I think there's a lot of directors that try and do it, and I don't think many of them succeed. Um, and then when you add the factor in that it's, you know, at day, daylight as well, I think just adds, adds to it. I think the fact that we get the reveal of how Gordon kills everyone at the end of the movie, I think is excellent as well. So, yeah, I think it's 
think it's kind of a wonderful movie. It has a very sparse score. There's there's not a lot in the way of of over the top soundtrack. There is a bit of orchestral work here, um, in the background. There are kind of droning sense of dread, which which kind of creeps up throughout it. I did mention there's a particular cheesy scene which I think is kind of amazing, and it's uh, Gordon and. Um, Phil are having this huge Barney about Barney's an argument, by the way, Barney Rubble, you know, trouble. Uh, they're having this huge argument about what has um, happened to Hank, and they think they hear him, and they go running, and Gordon starts to go up the stairs after being particularly nasty to Phil, and Phil says, Hey, Gordon, fuck you, as the camera zooms in on this kind of very, like I say, CSI Miami sort of David Crusoe sort of ending, which is very funny. I do laugh every time I watch it. A lot of people say it takes them out of the movie. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think it kind of just speaks to the, the mania that the characters are going through during the movie. Yeah, I think it's a, a truly great movie that is more than worth your time. I would love to see Peter Mullen do more horror. Uh, I think Peter Mullen is a great Scottish actor that if you're Scottish, you know him. Um, if you're American, he's probably popped up in a few things, uh, but he's a, he's one of these national treasures where the man just has a very expressive face. He's known for playing kind of tougher characters in Scotland, uh, kind of Glaswegian mafioso types, um, you know, bimsers, uh, debt collectors, and that sort of stuff. But I think he, he has an ability to play a vulnerability which... Is, I mean, he steals this movie for me. Peter Mullen is head and shoulders above the rest of the cast in this movie. But I think he conveys pain, the wounded thing. When his character is losing it, I believe it. Like, 100% believe it. And I think that's that's clever acting. That's great acting. Uh, Stephen Geddon obviously wrote, I would imagine, wrote the part for himself. And that's kind of great as well, because he plays... The role is almost this, he has this ex, uh, exposition kind of character of moving the story along through these tapes, uh, certainly telling people about um, lobotomies, which may or may not happen in this movie, and you know more about the history of what happened to people, which I think works really well and almost cements ideas into, into other characters. Uh, particular Gordon, especially with lobotomies. There's also some creepiness in these tunnels where you start finding um, like wealth from dead people who have been cremated on the grounds. Uh, Hank, there's a scene with Hank, and you just constantly feel that something bad's going to happen to him from everything other than what actually happens to him. And I think it's a very well set up scene, and it works. It works very, very well. So yeah, that is uh, my talking of a little movie called Session 9. I told you these episodes are not long. In reverence to me, is is all about short, snappy, bringing a movie to your attention that you probably have seen before and letting you know. How did it shape my love of horror? Well, 2001, I was already kind of starting to get a bit disenfranchised with, uh, like I said before, the slasher kind of resurgence, which was moving away. That I didn't really like... Uh, House on Haunted Hill all that much. I do like Jeffrey Combs' performance, but don't really like the movie. Didn't really like 13 Ghosts. People have heard me talk about that before. I think the concept is much better than the movie. And 
a movie like this comes out, and I've been watching at this point. This is where I'm really starting to gain my love for a uh, Jali and Italian horror cinema. I was starting to delve into Fulci. 2001 was the release of a lot of movies that had been on video nasties, so you were getting things like I Spit in Your Grave, Last House on the Left. We're getting kind of formal VHS releases at this point. And I was watching a lot of that and being creeped out and wondering why modern movies couldn't do what older movies did, which was genuinely... I was an Andy Blockley ahead of my time. Um, Andy Blockley of the opinion that modern horror movies just didn't cut the mustard. And I watched Session 9 and it freaked me the fuck out. It got under my skin. Genuinely, genuinely got to me. And it's a movie for the longest time, if you knew me um, and you ever came to visit me, and you wanted to watch a movie, Session 9 was a movie that I put on. I introduced my wife to it. I introduced Graham Humphrey, who used to podcast with me. Graham Humphreys watched that movie with me. It was one of the movies that inspired our conversations into horror, which ultimately became the podcast Under the Stairs. So it's hugely important. You could say, without Session 9, the podcast Under the Stairs wouldn't exist. Um, so yeah, it's a 5 out of 5 for me. It's fucking phenomenal. If I had to give it a technical grade, I'd probably give it a 9 out of 10. It's that high for me. I think there are very few movies that do what Session 9 does with it, as little as it does and with as much impact. I think it's a phenomenal movie and hopefully you've enjoyed me talking about it and you'll check it out. But, as always, I'm interested to hear what your opinions are uh, and references surely about the movies that influenced me. But do you guys feel the same way? Is Session 9 a movie that you love? Is a movie that you you don't like is it a movie you just think is okay uh, and hit me up Facebook let me know or drop me an email podcast under the stairs at gmail.com right I'm going to take my last break of the show you're going to hear uh, my closing out uh, little sounder and when I come back I'm going to close it out right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode number three in the In Reverence series, where I took a little look at a slightly more modern movie called Session 9. It told you why I loved it, and hopefully you're going to go and check it out. Uh, I think this one is not as obscure. Uh, Screen Factory has released it, but if you've not checked it out in a while, go back and check that movie out. And like I said before I took the break there, hit me up with what you think of it. Uh, do you love it as much as I do? Uh, if you don't like it, tell me why you don't like it. Um, and let's start some of that conversation over email or on the Facebook group page. So yeah, uh, this is uh, Thursday's episode, which means that we are on the, the drive home now. Three episodes to be released, and then we're out of 2017. What are those episodes I hear you cry? Well, let me tell you, dear listener, on Monday, this coming Monday, we drop the last in our listener choice uh, teapot selections for listener choice December. You guys chose a movie for the Baz. It's none other than Fright Night. We will be releasing that episode on Monday for your listening pleasure. Then, on Thursday, a week today, we release our um, listener reviews, our listener interactions to the recent Challenge Teapots Movie Club episode, which is a versus challenge. So you still got a week well, technically, you've got five days. I need your re replies in for the Wednesday, ladies and gents. So do not delay getting them in 
today, really. Uh, and what I've asked you for is, what is the better movie? What's your favourite movie between Gremlins and Scrooged? Um, you don't have to grade them. What I want from you is what's your favourite and why. Answers to podcast under the stairs at gmail.com. Give me a little bit of a review of both of them and let me know why one is your favourite over the other. I'll also be posting a poll on the Facebook group page beginning the next week uh, on the Monday, same day that the Baz episode drops. And it'll be open for a couple of days, which will ask essentially the same question. And on that show, we will deliver the ultimate result from the Facebook group page poll. A collection of our um, listener reviews and uh, I will let you know what my favourite is out of the two. So yeah, that is coming up as well. So that'll be a week on Thursday. And then on Sunday, Christmas Eve, I drop the Teapot's annual Christmas Eve horror commentary. This year I'll be joined by Mark Ball and Danny Trioxin of the Midnight Horror Show and Fancy and Friends fame. And also uh, the Midnight Book Society, which has just started and they've just released their first episode of their podcast. Uh, they're doing a really cool thing. Danny spoke about it a couple of episodes ago and he'll be back to talk a bit more about it on that commentary and how you can interact. We are doing 12 books in 2018, one a month, uh, and you can interact. Join in, come on, it's 12 books. It's piss easy to do that in a year. One book a month, it's a different horror book, different novelist each time, and it'll be a ton of fun. So both of them will be joining me, and by God, have we picked a fun one. We're doing, we're doing the Stephen King adaptation, uh, a little movie called Maximum Overdrive. Oh my God. Yep. We're doing maximum overdrive, so set your, your faces to chuckle um, and be worried about those laugh wrinkles that you're going to get when we discuss that movie. It's dropping on Christmas Eve, just in time for you to wrap your presents and watch the nonsense uh, and chuckle along um, and take in your last day before the anarchy that is Christmas. And then the podcast under the stairs takes between two and three weeks of a break and we'll come back early January. So there's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. The primary way to check us out, as always, is Apple Podcasts. Please come across and subscribe to the feed. That way you get the episodes as and when they drop. Get access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's episodes. Leave us a rating and a review over there. The ratings are super important. The more of them we get, if they're five stars, for example, the higher iTunes charts were pushed for new listeners to find us. The reviews are also very important though because the reviews tell listeners why they should check out our show. You guys love us. Tell the people on uh, Apple Podcasts why they need to check out the podcast under the stairs. And as always, uh, word of mouth. Tell your friends to check us out. Uh, Bring them across to our Facebook group page and let them interact with the anarchy that we have over here. Um, You can check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn and Google Play. Come and visit our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. Uh, interact with us over on our website, tputscast.com. Um, interact with the Baz, Twin Prongs, a social media sexiness. It's Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at tputscast. So yeah, I'll be back in a couple of days, Monday, with uh, our final part of Listener Choice in December. The Baz reviewing your choice, ladies and gents. It's Fright Night. Baz has never seen it. I know, like myself, you people out there cannot wait to check this shit out. We'll find out if Baz is so cool. I don't think he is. Um, But we'll find out on that show. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, whatever you're up to, in this big, bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I'm signing off. (laughs) 